0: Ladies and gentlemen, and those in between, to the Godzilla Pod War Hour, this is uh, Nathan Baer. Once again, happy 2014, and uh, stalking me, as always, is uh, Mr. Mike Kelly. How you doing, Mike? My stockings are always hung from the chimney with
1: care around this time of year. Oh, yeah. Actually, this is what? This is January 7th. Yes. So this is right around the time everyone's sobering up and realizing that it's no longer socially acceptable for them to eat two sleeves worth of uh, Chips Ahoy chewy cookies every day secretly while they're on their (laughs) bathroom break. You know, not that it's permissible to do that during the holidays normally, to sneak cookies into the bathroom. That's actually more indicative of a disorder of some kind. Uh, You just need help at that point, I think. That has nothing to do with Christmas or, you know,
0: Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or Atheist Kids Get Presence Day. Yeah. Um, but, however, you, you did mention needing help, and I think that goes into a, a motif uh, that this episode will have, and that is Godzilla vs. Gaigan, uh, a.k.a. Earth Destruction Directive, colon, Godzilla vs. Gaigan. Yes. Is,
1: is, is <laughs> how it was released in Japan in 1972, and I, I really do have to emphasize the colon, this is where things just, ah, uh, <laughs> careening <laughs> off track. Uh, the I, You know, the the amount of stock footage used in this film, I would like to see a mathematical spreadsheet breaking it down, a charticle of some kind. I think at this point we are fully operating at around 15% or higher of stock footage. Yes. Everything about it is a knee-jerk reaction. Mm-hmm to uh, godzilla vs. hedora like tanaka got out of the hospital watched godzilla vs. hedora fainted spent another <laughs> you know two years or whatever in the hospital again from uh whatever and um you know and he was like okay we're gonna make another godzilla movie but we're gonna every every risk that godzilla vs. hedora took we're gonna play it safe so instead of fighting a new monster, I mean, yes, he does fight Gigant, but he, he's also, the majority of the fight, he's going to be fighting King Gidra. You know, we're bringing him back. Mm. And uh, Gidra's looking a little rough in this one. He's He's got sort of a uh, shaggy hipster beard going. He sort of looks like Seth Rogen circa 2005, <laughs> uh, when he's not looking incredibly like, uh, like a toy, just like, yes. like a toy hung
0: from a wire. Like, the when he's flying, he is not moving. Yeah. At all. <laughs> they, they they created miniatures of him and Gigan with red lights in all their heads. Yeah. Just to... Yeah, like, I, it, when Gidra
1: is flying, his eyes are red, and when he's back on the ground, that's the least of the continuity yeah. problems in this the, movie. The,
0: the size, the, the flying around not to scale, uh, just um, baffling. So, uh, real quick, okay...
1: Uh Tanaka's like, okay, we can't take a risk on another unfound filmmaker, so we go back to what worked before, Jun Fukuda, who had directed Son of Godzilla, Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster. He knew the territory, he knew the lay of the land, he knew how to deliver a product that at least Tanaka could, you know, show... Uh, and, and be proud of, or not be proud of, but at least he could, like, look himself in the mirror afterwards, I guess. Again, I'm saying that as someone who loves Godzilla versus the Smog Monster and mm-hmm. thinks maybe that direction was not sustainable for the series, but it was definitely a breath of fresh air. But this movie is just... Just... Doesn't take any
0: risks at all and is just, you know, it's ludicrous. It plays it too safe. In fact, it plays it too safe. It's basically abstinence. Yeah. This is what uh, Tanaka is performing. He's performing a Godzilla abstinence, producing (laughs) abstinence. Um, When he's producing
1: anything. Yeah. When he's producing any new material. I mean, stock footage from. Almost every Toho produced science fiction epic, with the exception
0: of those films that were made in black and white. Yes, um, including Rodan, which was not shot in the same aspect ratio. Rodan, right. remember, like Godzilla, is shot in one by three, three by one, so like uh, an old television screen. Now, this movie is shot two by thirty-five by one. Very, very different. So, they went to great lengths, not only to steal the stock footage, but to make sure that for the brief seconds it was on screen, it fit the aspect ratio. <laughs> no, no, no.
1: Yeah, and to the extent where you can no longer tell what's happening in the in the footage that they are shamelessly stealing from. Like, the footage in Rodan, the way it was originally framed when Inshiro Honda was shooting it with the 133, you had the tanks in the bottom third of the screen, bottom, you know, right-hand third, and... You know, it was well photographed and you really were instantly communicated what was happening. When you blow that up to the 235, all you're getting is you, you You. don't see the tank treads. You barely see the top hatch of the tank. All you see are the, the barrels yeah. of the tanks and, the, and them firing. So you at least get that. But it's like this complete wrong use of space in the frame and it's just it's like it's even more confusing mm. they, they really you know one step forward two steps back <laughs> uh, so the uh you know the music was it says it's done by akira fukube but he did not score any music for this film <laughs> um this is all stock cues from like king kong escapes and Atragon, and more of the Gargantuas, Varan. And, and Varan is in there, too. And then, um, even more of the music is misappropriated from... Um, There's this World's Fair that was held in Japan in 1970. It was called Expo 70. And at that, they had a huge uh, Mitsubishi pavilion, which they just pumped hundreds of millions of yen into you know, producing. Um, obviously, Mitsubishi, a huge company in Japan... And so they uh, employed Akira Fukubei to do the music, and from what I can understand, it was this grand sort of slideshow presentation with this orchestration that was recorded and played over it, and you'd go into, like, you know, this big sort of dome. First of all, Expo 70, this is kind of a side note, Expo 70 was the first place that an IMAX film was ever played. That was, uh, that was the, the, the first IMAX movie was played mm. at Expo 70. So, sort of interesting note. That's where the, that's where the format premiered. But, um, yeah, the, the point is, if Fukubei did not write any new music, and they just took several lengthy pieces of music, what I thought to be the main theme of this film mm-hmm. was lifted directly from this expo. So, Fukubei didn't do anything. He just sat back. And cash the check <laughs> he did nothing although to be fair it's Akira Fukube so he was probably scoring six other films
0: already you yeah know? but like with similar themes right.
1: <laughs> but but you know you you catch on to a theme here of just like there have been so many Godzilla films and and toho films of of this nature kaiju uh, films and and science fiction epics at this point they are Even more so than Godzilla's Revenge, they're almost able to manufacture this one purely out of the fat of the land of just, like, they can just sort of kind of coast. Yeah. You know, this is the movie where they're just like, "Ah," they sit back and they're just (laughs) like, there's enough you know, excess to like, we could make an entire movie out of just hodgepodge it get together. There's been so many films. I think this is the 12th Godzilla film. So you, and not to mention the standalone films, which again, Rodan, I think they don't steal from Mothra. That, that may be the only, no wait, though, no, they definitely
0: steal from Mothra because they show some of the tanks. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's all over I mean, the place. They, they it's steal all from Basically every Toho monster film up until this point, is in, in some way, shape, or form. In fact, well, we'll get into it later, but there's a scene with uh, Guy Gan, uh that, that uh, Gigan briefly turns into another monster. <laughs> um,
1: but, you know, you'd think that they would take all that money that they saved and reinvest it into the actors.
0: Yes. No. No. <laughs> Got a complete cast of unknowns. In fact, if you look at their IMDB pages... Um, they basically did this and others like (laughs) that's half yeah it's the
1: thing they are known for yeah they were in godzilla versus Gaigan and like two other
0: things before they were found dead someplace of a cocaine (laughs) overdose you know like the previous films up to this point had many toho regulars as well as other you know famous japanese actors and then you know america's nick adams you know, they, they were able to find pretty good talent for, you know, for uh, B Productions uh, in uh, their movies. And the the fact that with this, they're playing it so safe. In fact, I don't even understand what the the attraction would be at this point when really the only star is Godzilla. Right. Like, really, he's the only person in this film that's a recognizable bankable star
1: and yet the first 49 minutes of this film are all the these interchangeable leads and so it's you really have to question who was this film made for (laughs) if there is a victory in this film i think it would be the design of the monster Gigan. I mean it's he's sort of he has a crappy debut movie, mm-hmm. but the monster himself is got some pretty cool because they're they're like freed from any sort of logic because at this point they're just like oh he's a space monster yeah even Gidra had was a space monster but had some basis in mythology or whatever
2: mm-hmm.
1: at this point they're just like no he you know Gan has sickles. For for arms and he has a buzz saw for a stomach, you know? Yeah. And he, he has uh like a a, a beak With pincers? With pincers. You know, he's just a nightmare. It's just like... A
0: cyclops? He's supposed to be like
1: a cyborg? Yeah. So, like...
0: So, it's like he was an already giant monster that they improved upon. Right. They gave him sickles, and and it's like... Some of that
1: Space Hunter M. Nebula technology. Yeah.
0: So, it just... That that just makes him, I think, even more fantastic. uh, Because... Uh, you really don't get a character like that until Mecha-King in the 90s. Right. Because Mecha-Godzilla was never alive. Mecha-Godzilla was just made. Right. And then, really, there's never a bionic crossover monster until Mecha-King in the 90s. So, uh, this is the first, like wtf <laughs> <laughs> you you know dr you, mangala creation right.
1: you do wonder what guy gan looked like and maybe if somehow it because it of all the monsters you know there's a creativity going on with guy but there's also an extreme laziness going on with guy because the the overall body shape of guy is just godzilla yeah. You know, it's 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 the two legs, it's the two arms, the tail mm-hmm. is like the most clear indicator, and then the head, it really does look like they could have just modified a Godzilla suit. Yeah. It's that it's that shape. Um but then you get the flourishes again, like all the metal and the knives and pincers and things. Guy sort of has it's it's a pity that he couldn't have been in the series earlier back when they were making better movies. Yeah. Uh because he, he's sort of he's sort of too late to catch yeah. on the 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 real golden age, which is too bad because he's a he's a pretty cool monster. He's got a lot of, you know, neat powers and stuff, but again, just surrounded by garbage.
0: Yeah, and it, it, again, you know, if I can't stress this enough, the 70s were just not a good time for, for Japanese movies. Uh, it, it did not... Uh, the Producers like Tanaka uh, were losing, like, their, their main uh, directors through either death or, uh, in the case of Kurosawa, nobody wanted to see his movies anymore. So, uh, you know, you're, you're losing basically the old Toho guard... Uh, and having to uh, go to ludicrous extremes uh, to make (laughs) money. Now, the same year this came out, uh, they began at Toho the Lone Wolf and Cub series, which is amazing. Filled with blood, great cinematography, lots of swordplay, and good writing. Uh, And I think to have a movie like that, unfortunately, they decided to put more focus and money into that series, which is already based on a comic book, a popular comic book than in Godzilla, uh, which is quite a shame because there are moments in this movie where you see, you know, actual heart put in. There's some, you know, rather beast moments of, uh, you know, Gigan destroying the city. There's uh, great shots of people just walking and talking. But when you've got a really shitty script (laughs) and a really slim budget, you can only take that so far. right. right. This is, you know... we're not
1: quite to the uh, battle for the Planet of the Apes level yeah. yet, but this is definitely like, you know, conquest of the Planet of the Apes, where it's <laughs> like the money is gone, but we can still sort of fake it. And it does kind of create this schizophrenic tone to the movie because the new stuff looks good. I mean, there's not as much of it. Like when Gaigan is destroying Tokyo, it's clear that they just. You know built four buildings, mm-hmm. and it's just very tight on him, and you never get like a real wide shot because it's it's like you know it's only four buildings or whatever, and then they can just intercut that with all the stuff from Ghidra again and and it's strange because if they were just more confident in mm-hmm. the new stuff they were producing and in load it to the gills with so much stock footage it would have been a much better movie i mean it would have been about a half an hour shorter yeah (laughs) but like maybe they could have used that half an hour to put in like another appearance of godzilla towards the beginning or something yeah but because you know the end the end fight the pacing is just way it's so long and again this is another this is i will complain about this is too long yeah because like um you're not only seeing the end fight between Godzilla and and Gidra the new stuff they shot, but also every other time they have ever fought mm-hmm. that they can get away with without you know getting in too much monsters from like the other stock footage you know so it's like they're sort of cutting their own throat it's it's you know it's the serpent eating its own tail. Mm-hmm.
0: it's our favorite part of the show we discuss the plot <laughs> and what a plot indeed they
1: are really swinging for the fences yeah <laughs> um all right well <clears throat> after the uh the beginning of the film or the the after the titles yes which uses a piece of music composed by Akira Fukube for the Mitsubishi Pavilion from Expo 70 entitled The Volcano, Mm -hmm. and is is played over shots of electronic panels and stuff from the aliens' headquarters, I guess. Very, you know, standard stuff. Then we get the most visually interesting part of the movie right away, immediately, and it is the... We're just shown a static um panels from, from a manga. manga comic. And um, it's it's people reacting to a to a monster and you think, oh, this is cool. They're gonna switch it up. And maybe some of that rock star spirit from Godzilla vs. Hedora kinda survived because it's like panels of people you know, destruction and like people screaming, but you hear the sound effects of what's going on in the panels. So you're like, Oh, maybe they're going to tell the first part of the story in like comic book form or something. But then no, it's just, uh, this comic book artist Gengo, uh, is, is at a job interview and he's showing his panels to this guy who, um, Says that it's it's not sophisticated enough. He's, yeah, he oh, shows that, him...
0: that and the fact that he showed him incomplete work, yeah, which because
1: yeah. he was too tired,
0: <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: I mean, I, I could understand maybe if he was a college student, you know, but if, if you're going for a job interview, right, something professional, I mean, incomplete, well, work yeah, really? I mean, like the, the
1: panels are building to the reveal of this monster, yeah. and he has not drawn the monster, he's like, I'll draw it later. Or, or the guy's like, well, what is the monster? And he's just like, well, I don't know. Which he says, well, I don't know, like 14 times during the movie. because he said guess it he's once, drunk.
0: and they looped yeah, it. Uh, yeah, like,
1: oh. yeah, exactly. They should, you know, that would have been more efficient. Uh, Gengo, you know, he he's thinks he's very creative, and he, he loves monsters, and he keeps on trying to pitch... Uh, it seems like a strange amount of attention is is sort of placed on two of his monsters, uh Sakura, which is the homework monster, and Mamagon, which is the monster of two strict mothers. Now that's T O O two. Like mm. the mothers are two strict, not two separate mothers who are together one monster. Mm. I don't know. It's it does it you know, it's best not to think about it. But yeah. It almost seemed like they were trying to pitch those monsters as maybe being foes that Godzilla could fight or something.
0: Which is something not even the Gamera series would lower themselves to. Right.
1: Um, Also, he makes Mamogon, the monster of two strict mothers, look like his girlfriend, which I thought was an interesting insight into his psyche because they're both wearing the same dress.
0: Yeah, so uh, definitely Freudian. uh... (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. And, And, you know, she's... The best thing about this movie, Gengo's girlfriend, because she's a black belt in karate, and they, you know, after the, the job interview doesn't go too well, she tries to get him, they go to a coffee shop, and he's, you know, she's talking to him, she's trying to give him pep talk, and be like, you have to keep going, you know, maybe next time for your job interview you should, like, complete the drawings of the monster you're pitching, you stupid fuck. <laughs> and, um, she doesn't cuss, but... Like, Gengo is just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then he picks up his uh, cup of coffee, and he's just like, you're a hard bitch. Which, yep. he actually says bitch in the movie, which is, if I'm not mistaken, the first time anyone curses in one of these movies? One of the very few times throughout the series yeah. that anyone curses.
0: I swear, in Monster Zero, there's a little bit of cursing, but, like, that that was definitely, like, blatant. and Right, and uncalled for. for. Yeah, uncalled yeah. for. Yeah,
1: like, just... she, he, here's his girlfriend trying to... You know, cheer him up or whatever, overlooking the fact that he's drawing monsters based off of her. And, like, he just calls her a bitch. And Gengo just seems like he doesn't know what he's got and uh, not a very good protagonist as far as, like, you know, you don't really identify with this guy. You kind of want to see him get stepped on. Yeah. Um, Uh. And plus he keeps on talking about how, like, tired he is and, like, wanting to relax and stuff. Not much drive. And, uh, not very does, impressive.
0: And he doesn't really change throughout the movie. There's he, no, he, he becomes more cunning, I guess. Yeah. But, uh... Well, at
1: one point someone says, uh, he's stupid, but cunning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, no, no, I'll agree with you for the first part of that statement, but I think he's just stupid. Yeah. I, I don't really see where he's too cunning. Um... So Gengo gets another job interview from the totally non-suspicious-sounding uh, organization known as World Children's Land. They're building a theme park called World Children's
0: Land. Yep. and Featuring uh, the uh, windowless train ride.
1: Yeah. Filled, just uh, Featuring basically an empty field with a couple of very non-impressive-looking buildings and then... Um, The monster tower, the Godzilla tower. They've built a scale mock-up of godzilla that is actually a museum for monsters yeah and again we get into this weird territory where it's like okay are they worshiping these monsters are they like national heroes or sideshow attractions did any of that stuff from the early movies where like godzilla was killing people did that carry over at all like why would you put a giant godzilla giant fake godzilla in a Theme park meant specifically for children, and like the they say that their main goal is peace.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so very confusing, there. <laughs> it, very creepy. And throughout the rest of the film, uh, the the higher ups are all wearing bright orange, yeah. which I don't know if this is a knock at maybe Hari Krishnas or maybe Scientologists, something. Just like in both the English and the Japanese version uh the The way they talk and walk is very suspicious yeah. well, also uh, and very cult
1: like the, the The job that Gengo is interviewing for is very nebulous because I'm yes. not sure if he's interviewing to be a designer for the park, which looks completely designed it doesn't yeah. look like there's anything left to like design, and he's a comic book artist. Or if he's just being hired as like a day laborer to help like finish the construction because he wears a hard hat in some scenes, I don't know. It's all very it's it's not uh, yeah. <laughs> it could be either one or both. Okay. <laughs> um, maybe like whatever needs to be done. He's just he's you know he's he's doing temp work. <laughs> um, so yeah he is working there for a couple of days, notices that the guys are sort of weird. And he comes in one day to sort of their main offices, maybe to pick up his check. I'm not sure. (laughs) And a girl runs out of the building just as he's sort of approaching the door and she seems to be in a hurry. She's, you know, kind of, uh, panicked panicked or whatever. And she runs off and, and not before dropping this audio tape. And it's not a cassette tape, but it's actually like a little reel of, 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 you know, audio tape. Oh yeah. Reel to reel. Um, yeah. So like he kind of picks that up and then all of a sudden Kabuto runs out with like, what can only be described as henchmen, you know, and this is the giveaway right there. This guy's up to go. No good. Whenever you see a guy who's surrounded by a bunch of guys who he's giving orders and they're all wearing the exact same thing. Those are henchmen. (laughs) That means that he is a bad guy. That means that there is something up. Okay. (laughs) But, and then, if that wasn't the tip-off, like, uh, Caputo's like, he sees Gengo, Gengo, who works here? Yeah. And he says, what are you doing here? <laughs> And it's like, I'm at work. What are you talking about? What are you doing here? And then he's like, where'd she go? And he immediately, like, violently grabs Gengo And he's like, you know, tell me where she is, you know. This is the second time these two characters have ever talked. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's just like, tell me now, you know. It's just like, way to play it cool there, buddy. Yeah. I mean, there's a million things you could have said. Like, oh, she stole some documents. She's an industrial espionage person. Oh, she's my daughter. She's she, my daughter. Or meds are low. Oh, right, I mean, or whatever. Know. A thousand different things. But no, he's just like... Tell me so I can track her down with my people who are not henchmen, you know? <laughs> it's just like, uh, you're sort of immediately going uh, uh, kind of off the rails there. And uh, so while they're pursuing this girl, Gengo kind of wanders in and he accidentally hits the elevator. goes to the top floor of the headquarters, which looks like... The space room at, like, a hotel in Japan where you'd go for, like, an erotic adventure or whatever. was yeah. like, they have, like, the Arabian Nights room, like, the medieval room, and then, like, the spaceship room, you yeah. know? And you, would like, get, rent out the room and go there uh, with your lover for the night and have, like, a romantic night or whatever. And, like, yeah, press sure. the button and have Anti- the bed spin. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, that's what this room looks like. <laughs> it, it looks like a love hotel. Uh, and this is, like, the space room. And, uh, he sees the, uh, the other guy, the head sort of, the main bad guy, a guy who's like a 17-year-old kid Mm -hmm. named Fumio, but he turns around, he's got like the emperor's like chair where it's like sort of slowly turns around, he's like, "Yes, good evening. And it's attached to this desk where the guy is doing complex trigonometry. Yeah, and And, this is a kid. Yeah, this (laughs) is a kid. And Gen goes like, what are you working on? Now... These aliens, I think, are very confident that they're not going to get caught, or, like, they think that they're basically, they can't be stopped at this point, because they don't, like, he could have, Fumio could have said anything right there. He could have been like, oh, I'm working on, you know, the whatever. But he's like, no, these are the coordinates to Nebula Space Hunter M. You yes. Know?
0: It's like... Which I'm totally uh, not from. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like, I'm,
1: I'm just very interested in it. It's a side hobby of mine. You know, was like... Well, Shut up. <laughs> it's like, why you
0: say that to this civilian? Like, wh- are you trying to get caught, like, and then, actively? And then to add on to that uh kabuto comes back and says the girl ran away with the tape and be right. like darn that will ruin our plan of action and right right and then, they, they go in there's no this in front of gengo <laughs> right right
1: they're just like that could jeopardize all of our plans immediately we must ch- change plan three to plan
0: six yeah. It's just like could She's you like... be any more suspicious and then one gengo <laughs> tries to get into the conversation, he says, you know, uh, what, what has she done? Ah, she's an enemy of peace. Right. That, that's,
1: that, and that's yeah. it. That's the only explanation. Yeah. She's an enemy of peace, which is our ultimate goal here at uh, World Children's Land is, uh, is peace. Peace. And monsters. I peace just, with monsters. I can't stop thinking about World Children's Land. Every time I think of World Children's Land, I just think of itchy and scratchy. Land. <laughs> <laughs> in the various (laughs) subset lands in there. Explosion land, searing gas-pain land. I think World Children's Land sort of fits in right, right in there. So Gengo, no sooner does he walk out of this madhouse of which he's agreed to do temp work at, he is then confronted by the girl who was seen running out of there earlier, and then a guy comes up behind him and sticks something right between his shoulder blades, and says, you know, don't move. Okay, so if I'm Gengo, I'm thinking, this is a mugging. I'm being held up right now. And Gengo, like the true hero that he is, faints. Yes. And he wakes up, and it turns out that this was the girl who was running out of the building earlier, and her hippie uh, hippie friend, friend who has a piece of like leather tied around the base of his uh or the top of his head to keep his like shoulder length hair out of his face he looks like he just came from a sugar loaf concert <laughs> and he's still eating the same piece of corn and when gengo looks up and he's like well you know you guys are very polite robbers or whatever i you know or you're very polite muggers and, and the the hippie the sugar loaf fan is just like oh you know he must have thought it was a gun and he's like talking about his corn cob it's like yeah. Well,
2: no fucking shit, he
1: must yeah, have thought it was the, a gun. You came up behind the guy, you stuck him with a barrel-shaped thing behind the shoulder blades and told him, don't move. Yeah, because like, seems... there are only
0: two objects that could be stuck <laughs> into this guy's back, and <laughs> right, I, gonna... both <laughs> right. would make me faint. <laughs>
1: exactly. Like, the, you know, I, I guess I'm trying to question what was the uh, result that the Sugarloaf fan was trying to produce or or what did he think was going to happen? What did he think Gengo was going to think remember, if he did yeah. that? And you remember, know?
0: This isn't just the English version. This is in the Japanese version too. He's quite surprised.
1: Yeah. He's like shocked. He's like, well, I, I don't know how you could get the idea that we were mugging you. <laughs> I mean, that's just completely out of the realm of understanding, you know? Uh, so that was amazing. Um, they they take the tape out, they put the tape into a tape player, and this alien piece of technology from several millennia, you know, distance light years mm-hmm. away works perfectly in a tape recorder. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are, in I believe Osaka, they start playing the the, the tape. Gengo and the girl and uh, the sugarloaf fans start playing the tape. and um, immediately, kabuta and fumio they have technology that detects that the tape is being played yes and they're like the tape is being played you know we have to they can't they can detect that it's being played but they can't track
0: where yeah
1: it's being played and while
0: this is happening we, we find uh the girl's brother who who has been held captive yes uh, in there, you know, doing the, you know, you'll never get away with this. You'll yeah. you'll never get away with making me work overtime, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know.
1: That's why the girl was going there. Yeah. Was to, to find her brother who yeah. I guess has been kidnapped slash brainwashed, um, by the, uh, the space hunter Nebula M guys. Anyways, they go back to Monster Island and Godzilla is just sitting down contemplating, you know, new more efficient ways to destroy buildings probably I'm not sure and he starts hearing the tape that's being played. Like somehow the frequency that this tape is being played on, he can pick up on it. And so he immediately calls Angurus over to him and says, Hey Angurus, um something funny going on. Better go check it out. And Angurus is like, okay, And then he goes away, and Godzilla's like, hurry up. Now, what I failed to mention, like, they didn't say this through roaring or or whatever. They actually use English. Like, they speak out loud in in sentences
0: and and use English words. And whatever winos they decided (laughs) to hire to dub this, I, I, I don't know, like how they decide you know godzilla and angris are going to talk so let's have the most incoherent right. people dub them over it's um, it's already like shocking
1: enough yeah. when like they start talking and you're like oh my god godzilla's fucking he's talking in this yeah. movie after you know 11 movies he decides now he's gonna start talking and
0: this is this is material that should be Saved for like the Godzilla Christmas special or some right. some yeah. gimmick shit, right? But S-
1: something <laughs> where B. Arthur is the uh, bartender. <laughs> Of the cantina, you know, or something's going on where Godzilla's uncle is watching cyber pornography with Donna Summer on it, or something, you know, yeah. where it's like, this is, you know, we hide this. Yeah. You know,
0: you don't want people see this. Yeah. Do, do you? Now, it should <laughs> be not, do. that the Japanese version was at least a little more tactful, and I mean little with a hard L, because uh, the, uh, in the Japanese version, when they're, Talking, and I'm making quotations in the air. Um, it, there's cartoon bubbles that pop out that say in you know uh, kanji, you know, or sorry, hiragana, you know, hey, something's going on. You better check. Okay, you know, it, it's this brief exchange, but there's still it, there's still this whole thing of we know that they're talking. Right, it, it, it's just crazy. Whether because
1: the monsters have talked before in yeah. in. Um... You know, in Gidra, Gira. they have the the sort of the the ta- the sit down or whatever, and that scene is actually much longer um, and but, better. I, I mean, I I don't think you can ever have a good scene where monsters talk to one another. Yeah. But if you were forced to choose at gunpoint, a you know the best of the two, you'd have to go with the uh, scene from Gidra because at least they're talking in their monster calls, their monster roars. Yeah. In this, they are straight straight up. Uh, speaking english and like there's sort of you know they're doing what they can to like they play a little bit of the godzilla roar underneath and like kind of warp it or to make it sound i don't know what they're trying to do but like the monsters are talking and it's just like automatically puts this movie a level either below or perhaps above everything else it's just like Ah, oh, Jesus. You really have to go into a bathroom and splash cold water on your face to continue watching it at that point. Um, <clears throat> so Godzilla, uh, you know, and this, again, to hit on my, upon how much Anguirus has been, um, you know, has just become Godzilla's consigliere. Uh, it, Godzilla is just ordering him to be like, yeah just go over there, check it out. It might not be nothing. It might be something. It's just around the corner there, you know. Just go go check it out, uh, angerous And Anguers is like, yeah, sure thing, boss. ain't hey, no problem, you know. And uh, so their relationship is really, he's definitely calling the shots. Yeah.
0: He's almost Joe Pesci-like. Yeah. Like a like a, a, a meeker Joe Pesci. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um,
1: So... The monsters talk, and after I was done crying, we continued watching the movie, (laughs) Gengo and the Sugarloaf fan and the the other girl are sort of talking, and the Sugarloaf fan's like, whoa, why don't we research World Children's Land and see what's going on, or whatever. And they're all eating bananas, or whatever, and they're like,
0: phallic yellow food (laughs) seems to be another motif of this movie. Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, great idea, let's go right now. And Gengo takes, like, two bites of the banana, and the scene ends with him just throwing the rest of the banana, this half-uneaten banana, like, over his shoulder, you know? I really wanted to see that scene play out, like, 15 seconds longer and have both the other guys stop and just turn around and be like, what the fuck did you throw the banana on the floor for? Pick it up and throw it away, (laughs) you know? Like, what's the matter with you? That's a, you know... It's yeah. food. You're wasting yeah. food, Gango. Wasting food. What you know? Didn't she I know we're all, we're all excited about this caper we're on, but <laughs> you're just throwing food on the floor. Like what? What are you doing? Um. So yeah, they they find that basically the people, uh, Kabuta and Fumio, they have been dead, or they were killed in a mountain climbing accident, and so the. There's something strange it's either they're pod people or they're doppelgangers or there's some there's something that's happening here, and um, it's very mischievous and again, if you needed to be any more suspicious of these characters, <laughs> there's even more material to second guess them <laughs> then Angurus comes makes
0: landfall yes and the 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 military officer with the world's easiest job casually sways in on screen to a big microphone and says. All forces attack. This is both English and Japanese version. He just says, All forces attack. You get the idea that this guy is just sitting
1: in this military command center for years on end every day. You know, he unlocks the door, turns the lights on, sits down, and uh, turns on the microphone, and just this microphone goes out to the entire Japanese military. And he's just like looking for monsters, uh, like the radar, the monitors. Like, nope, not today. It so slowly reads the newspaper, and then you know, only in these every once every two years, the monsters show up. And then he pivots on his rolling chair to the microphone and just says, "All forces attack." You know, uh, that's the dream job right there. Yeah. He's got to have full medical, dental. You know, that's uh, that's the sweet spot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh a- a- Angus, uh makes uh landfall uh the army uh, a huge army of stock footage uh converges <laughs> on him uh some of the uh military units being used to engage in are from Uh, destroy all monsters, which, if you recall, takes place in the future of 1999. So, weapons from the future are being used, as well as outdated weapons from the 50s also being used to engage Anguirus, who is just casually strolling onto the beach, you know, probably just wanted a a nice, you know, trip to the beach at night. Maybe he wanted to get together with some uh, teeny boppers.
1: You you get the (laughs) idea that June Fukuda... Throughout the making of this film, was slowly seduced by the ease of using stock footage. Because, like in the beginning, he's trying not to use it too much, but as it goes on, it's like it gets worse and worse. In this scene with Angurus, all of the military stuff, save I think two or three shots, is all stock footage. And then there's a scene where, because they use masers on him. Uh, you can see that they built a new Mazer Cannon. Yeah. For, for specifically for this scene. And the set is at night. Yeah. Okay. So you have a new Mazer Cannon. It's at night. And yet they still choose to use stock footage from War of the Gargantuas of a Maser shooting at night. Now literally all they had to do was just turn the camera. It would have been one extra setup. It would have taken maybe... 20 minutes, and, like, they had all the stuff right there, ready yeah. to go, you know? But, again, they just, like, they're like, no, 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 no. you know, we, we already have this from another movie, let's just put that in there. It's just so, it's mind-blowing, you know, yeah. the the commitment to stock footage
0: usage. And uh, just, if, 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 if even more downhill from here.
1: Yeah, um, the the scene with Angurus and Angurus just sort of kind of comes onto the shore and just gets pelted with, like, the entire Japanese
0: military. And, and it, it all bounces off him or misses him completely. Right. Uh. Their
1: aim is not improved. And he just takes it for, you know, a couple of minutes. As long as it takes them to play the cue from Frankenstein Conquers the World. <laughs> and then he's like, all right. he turns around. it's like, this scene accomplishes nothing other than plugging the hole and, and covering up the fact that there is no monster action for the first 50 minutes of this movie. Yeah. It's like, clearly they they were done with the script, and they're like, oh, wait a minute, there's no monsters in this movie for almost an hour. People are going to, like, fall asleep or l- burn down the theater, you know? <laughs> Around this time, Gengo tries to go back to World Children's Land for some more intel.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now that they found out that, apparently, Kabuta and Fumio are, have been dead for the last year, they want to find out what's really going on. And so, uh, Gengo he finds the girl's brother who's held captured in like a closet yeah and he can hear him kind of but then kabuta comes in the room and gengo very awkwardly tries to like be like oh well i brought in the designs you wanted like that's why i'm here late at night snooping around (sighs) or whatever Kabuto clearly does not care at this point. He's just like, "Oh right, well you're free to go. Don't be, you know, don't forget to take these cigarettes." Yeah. Which he sort of very awkwardly, you know, we don't even know if Gengo smokes. Yeah. Uh, and oh, you will now. <laughs> right. He's like, "Oh, thank you for the cigarettes." So he takes those. Like, yeah, that's not a setup at all. And um, they get back to uh, I, I guess Gengo's house, and um. The, they're talking, the Sugarloaf fan and the girl who was running out of the office, and Gengo are talking. And all of a sudden, uh, Kabuda kicks down the door with a bunch of henchmen and is like, Ha-ha! I bet you, you know, didn't see this one coming. There was
0: a transistor in the filters of the cigarettes, you know. Uh, they see the tape, they grab it, and then uh, Gengo's uh, girlfriend, uh, who turns out to actually be alive, uh, comes back. She sees the men with guns and performs her black belt karate on them. Uh then she gets to uh Kabuto and instead of like beating the shit out of him, she just says, "Get out." Yeah,
1: she just sort of run. like like sh- shoves him rudely out of the apartment, you know. <laughs>
0: Like,
2: yeah. like
1: he couldn't just turn around and grab a gun and kill all of them, but, like, yeah. this defeats them. And they're just
0: like, that. their attack is thwarted, you know? Just like, ah, oh, we've lost face. Okay, time to go back, guys.
1: <laughs> um, So, the hard cut to the four of them now, Gengo, his girlfriend, the Sugarloaf fan, and the, uh, the concerned sister, all at a police station. And the first line of dialogue in the scene is... You know, they've clearly just got done telling this story mm-hmm. to, like, you know, the guy at the, you know, the the desk or whatever at the police station. And he's just like, are you sure you're all sane? Is what he asks them. And it's just, like, amazing. Like, yeah. the voiceover, the choices, the scripting of the voiceover are just the best part of this movie. I mean, it's just great stuff. Um and then we cut back to Kabuta and Fumio, and they're like, Godzilla has escaped. or Godzilla and Anguirus have escaped. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to call out our reinforcements or whatever. <laughs> cut to uh, Monster Island. Godzilla and Anguirus definitely are still on Monster Island and have not escaped
0: at yeah. all. Like, and, they're and just... They're leisurely he walking. Just, <laughs> he
1: was just categorically incorrect by that <laughs> statement. Or maybe, like... They're living in a different time zone or something, and they get the news early or something. But Anguirus and Godzilla still definitely on Monster Island. So, very confusing. Yeah. So, at this point, Gengo and the Sugarloaf fan and uh, Gengo's girlfriend head to World Children's Land to get some more answers. And the bad guys capture them and reveal themselves to be space cockroaches. Yes. Uh, via a montage of pollution footage from Godzilla vs. Hedorah. Again, lazy. And then they
0: uh, turn on the tapes. They turn on the tapes. Yes, the tapes. Uh, Which call forth uh, Gigan. Yes. Which is... uh, uh, how would we describe it again just godzilla with a beak
1: godzilla with a beak
0: and cleavers and and cleavers or hooks mm-hmm. for hands and a and chainsaw a, and in a, a his bo- chest yeah
1: a, a a circular saw in his
0: stomach and and chest yeah and uh for safety measures they also call upon king Ghidorah. right uh, totally not for the, uh, convenience of stock footage at all. No. 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 W- wouldn't possibly lower themselves for that. But, uh, these two, uh, appear as plastic children's toys with glowing red eyes, and they, uh, slowly make their way towards Earth. Right. Um. And they begin the, the reign of destruction. Yeah. So they, they come around, they, they circle around uh, the Godzilla Tower, even though they're not to scale. Yeah, the scale is tragic
1: yeah. in that shot.
0: I mean, it just really
1: demonstrates a fundamental uh, misunderstanding of the scale of these creatures. Because yeah. they look like they're about 20 feet tall yeah in, if, in order for that shot to make sense. It looks like Gidra is about 15 to 20 feet tall. Um, because the Space Hunter Nebula M cockroaches, having captured our heroes, are showing off the fact that they have complete control over Gigan and King Ghidorah. Through the use of the tapes. Through the use of this tape, which they have no problem informing them, be like, (laughs) boy, if this tape was destroyed, we'd be shit out of luck. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so they, you know, Ghidorah and, and Gigan are flying around Godzilla Tower, and they're just... It's just such, it's so bad. Like, clearly no one stopped to think, just to think for five seconds about what they were doing with this special effects shot. They are just yeah.
0: like, I don't know.
1: <laughs> Fail.
0: <laughs> but but then some brightness comes when Gigan and Gidra are actually ordered to attack, and the shots of Gigan... Actually blowing the city. As we mentioned before, very, very tight shots. Right. He's clearly only destroying the same, like, four buildings just shot at different right. angles. But pretty beast cinematography. Like, there's something about 70s, uh, the stock in uh, that was used in many of these uh, 70s films that just, uh, the way they pick up a black and red. Yeah. Just beautiful. Yeah. Um,
1: Great stuff. And And looks better than the stuff from... You know the '90s. Yeah, I think. Um, I think there was more care being put into it, ironically, um, than than those other productions because there was more. I think there was more craftsmanship still there from from the old guard wasn't quite dead. Yeah, yet. Um, and you know the er, everything's just sort of is the long version of the end of uh, Monster Zero at this point, right? Yeah, it's just sort of like. Okay, we have the destruction scene again, you know, using the footage from Ghidorah, where Ghidorah destroys Tokyo. And uh, and then you have Gan destroying these same four buildings from just super, super tight angles. And uh, Godzilla and Anguirus make landfall, and they are sort of right next to, I guess this is Tokyo. Yeah, he says Tokyo, because... Yeah. The order of the Tokyo gets destroyed, and um, and then they do round one of the fight in, in sort of an oil refinery or whatever. It goes on for a very long time, sort of moderate to low energy mm-hmm. in the fight. Yeah, um, All the monsters appeared sort of drunk or kind of yeah. slowly moving around. There's no real juice there it's like you take something like this and you contrast it with the like the fight from mothra versus godzilla where it's just like the monsters really feel like they're trying to kill each other yeah. and there's like so much energy and quickness and just like you know they're like they're they're really like wild animals just like violently you know snarling and like trying to like tear at each other yeah. and then this fight they're just sort of they really do seem like they've been tranquilized yeah um, and just kind of stumbling around, you know, almost blindfolded, just sort of like tripping over each other, you know, it's not, it's just not very exciting.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I think I, I in an odd way, uh, the actor portraying anger seems to be the one, or at least the, how the editing and everything around Anger seems to be the most, uh, animal like of the four yeah. monsters fighting. So they keep, so while, you know, this, slow slugfest is going on uh the the sugarloaf fan and his 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 friend yeah and his friend they uh see uh genga they through use of a cigarette and a flashlight they are able to signal each other that we're in the godzilla tower they are right. they float a balloon yes that's right a balloon with a rope attached to it up so that way, our looks heroes... like a, a
1: weather balloon. Looks yeah. like
0: Rover from The Prisoner. <laughs> exactly, and they uh, the 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 object is for them to uh, what trolley down? Yeah, um, the rope. So they do so, and uh, well, I think you could describe this scene better. <laughs> yeah.
1: So upon finding out, a henchman comes into the room and uh, informs Kabuta the humans have escaped. Kabuta is is not uh, pleased with this information and immediately yells at one of his subordinates, You must kill them! And uh, to which his subordinate replies, All right. And it's just like the way he does it is so just like... I laughed until I cried. Uh, I had to like stop the tape and get my roommate to come into the room and I was just like, You have to see this line delivery. It's like amazing uh it may be the best part of the film the way this guy was just you know so nonchalant like all right you know and this just hits a button and uh you know godzilla tower shoots out a laser out of its eyes and bullseyes this the the getaway car that supposedly our heroes are in uh they aren't really it's a decoy they're very they're very they've suddenly become very intelligent yeah at the decoy and it blows up the car um and at this point the immortal lines uh because Godzilla and, and Gidra, you know, we cut back to them fighting. Mm-hmm. And um you, you shamelessly have the sequence from uh Gidra, where Godzilla gets kicked through that giant uh bridge. Yeah. And then you cut back to um Gengo and company who have since employed the Japanese military begins setting up dynamite at the base of Godzilla Tower, mm-hmm. and it's sort of clever. It's sort of like something you'd see out of like a movie, like FX or something, yeah. where they basically they stack what looks to be about eight hundred sticks of dynamite in crates uh, on the elevator, and they put a drawing of the four of them, like a manga style yeah. drawing on on like a full life size drawing of them they they take that piece of paper onto the dynamite and their plan is to hit go like hit the up button on the elevator have it go up and basically what happens is the elevator comes up to the top of godzilla tower now it should be noted that the fighting has sort of come around to godzilla tower and Godzilla is getting his ass kicked, not only by Gaigan and Ghidra, but also Godzilla Tower is firing a laser out yeah. of its eyes and, like...
0: Which is upsetting Anguirus, who looks longingly as Godzilla's crotch is, like, yeah. obliterated by this blue beam yeah. that keeps coming out of uh, the Godzilla Tower.
1: The elevator door goes, ting, and the doors open, and it's the top of Godzilla Tower, and all the guards are just sitting there, and they see this this drawing on a piece of white paper of the four heroes, again, sort of in kind of a manga style, and they immediately shoot their guns at it, and, of course, bullseye the dynamite, and blow up the top of Godzilla Tower. I'm just very confused. Do the cockroach people from Space Hunter Nebula M, do they not know that those weren't real people, that that was just a manga-style drawing, albeit life-size, but, like, it was in black and white?
0: Maybe this explains why they wanted... Gengo, in the first place, they're like, Oh, you can make monsters for us, right? Ma- maybe that's the whole reason why they hired him in the first place. Maybe, they were like, they Oh, don't you can make us real understand
1: monsters. the distinction between pictures and reality, <laughs> whatever. They're fucking toast after that. They shoot, you know, 800 sticks of dynamite at Point Blake Rage, the top of Godzilla Tower explodes. Um, G- uh, Gengo's sister, sorry, Gengo's girlfriend makes the observation Godzilla is strong again and Godzilla you know perks up and another 10 minutes of fighting
0: yeah it it should be noticed that at least in this (laughs) uh, there are some scenes where Gigan like makes Godzilla bleed which hasn't happened Really, at this point, since Raids again, yeah. and that was in black and white, and the only really, if you're, like, looking carefully, oh, wait, Angurus is bleeding all throughout the neck. Gigan cuts off a piece of Anguirus's nose, and then Gigan's It's flies. really violent, yeah. Yeah, and then cuts off a piece of Godzilla's shoulder, which a huge squib of blood just yeah, pours it was out. Yeah, it's a
1: Paul Verhoeven-style amount of blood comes yeah. out. Uh, and
0: it's, which, it's just, I, I kind of wish he had directed this movie. It would have been so much more. Well, it
1: definitely, you know, it's like a lightning bolt through this, you know, the boredom of and the and the, the tedium of yeah. the last hour of this movie. Not that the first hour wasn't tedious, but all of a sudden Gigan starts just like cutting up the monsters and blood is just shooting out and you're this is this is the first time we have seen blood from any of these months like this is the first confirmation we have that their blood is red yeah you know and it's just all of a sudden it's not just a you know bloody nose it's like gushing out it's like shooting out you know so this is a really big deal in the you know in the chronology it's like godzilla has blood and can be wounded you know graphically uh so kudos to gaigan for that i'll say um But yeah, they, you know, it seems like making Godzilla bleed only makes him more angry and redoubles his efforts. Um, Godzilla defeats the space monsters with the help of his trusted friend and possible partner, Angulus, and they go away and, you know, our human characters are just sort of surveying the devastation. There's nothing left of world children's land and, um shima who is the brother who they were trying to rescue for the second half of the movie is just he's talking sort of about the space hunter nebula m cockroach people and he's sort of reflexive and he's just like well you know they did what they had to do which was just sort of like they did what they had to do What the fuck are you talking about you know like like, are you a bad guy? Like, why they did? They almost destroyed the planet. Was Stockholm like, Syndrome. Like, they just like, destroyed, <laughs> you know, Tokyo. They did. They did what they had to do. It sounds like you don't blame them very much, Shiva. Maybe you know we should have kept you in Godzilla Tower and just blown it up. You know, like fucking
0: sympathizer here. Yeah.
1: so, um, so
0: fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, all in all, uh, Godzilla. And Angers swim off, and they play some, actually not not too bad, uh, children's music over it. Um, But um, the film ends. Um, Thank God. Yeah. I I will say, when I was younger, circa 10 years ago, I uh, definitely liked this movie a lot more. And I think it's because I hadn't seen them all yet. So, uh, I had seen better films before this, but, you know... Just the fact that I was seeing one that I hadn't seen before made it great. And I think now that I've seen all of them multiple times, guygan just doesn't really hold up. Yeah. You know, the movie itself. I mean, the monster is great. In fact, I think all the monsters overall are great. They might not be the best concepts, but it's just like, it's a fucking monster. Right. But uh, th- this as a movie does not hold up too well. Look. If you
1: watch this movie under certain conditions, it can be plausible. Here are the following conditions. That you are eight years old, that you have never seen another Godzilla movie. And you have uh, had lots
0: and lots
1: of oh, sugar. Of Mountain Dew Code Red. <laughs> yes. Then, sure, give it a watch. But if you've seen even two other Godzilla movies, you, you will see most of the scenes from that movie in this movie at some point, and probably hear some of the music, too. Yeah. They have great sequences from other films that they know if they just film... Oh, if we can film A and C, then we've got this great B from another film that will be really spectacular. Like, when Gagin gets hit with the mazers, like you were saying earlier, and very uncharacteristically gets knocked down and begins crawling behind some trees like a dog. And, like, you'll never see Gagin move like that again in any of the other films. That's because he was trying to mirror one of the Gargantuas from War of the Gargantuas because that scene of the Mazer kind of following the tree line and destroying everything, that was from War of the Gargantuas, you know? And, like, just fucking shameless. Yeah. (laughs) It sold about 1,700,000 tickets,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: which is right on par with Godzilla versus Hedorah, so all of Tanaka's scheming made... Absolutely no change at all at the box yeah. office, which is amazing.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, and it was followed up the following year by Godzilla versus Megalon,
0: aka Godzilla versus more stock
1: yeah. footage. Yeah, the stock footage thing goes into complete overload. Yeah. with Megalon. Um, we'll try not to hit upon it as much in that episode, so there's more original stuff going on. But just no going in Godzilla versus Megalon, seventy percent stock footage. <laughs> um. So. But Godzilla versus Megalon is more... I, I hold it closer in my heart. Because yeah. it's just so <laughs> bonkers. Um, I don't know. It was clearly... Godzilla versus Gigant is just sort of like... Uh, laziness and confusion on all levels. Yeah. But Gigant's a good monster. So that wraps it up for this week. Thanks for tuning in to the Godzilla Pod War Hour, everybody. Um... Make sure to hit us up on Facebook, where our page is just the Godzilla Pod War Hour. Also, my name's Michael Kelly, and my handle on uh, Twitter is at GodzillaPodWar. So um, definitely check us out. Subscribe. You can subscribe to this on iTunes for free. Yep. So okay. you need to. No better price than free. Exactly. For all of your data entry needs. And you can just zone out and drool, much <laughs> like the creators... <laughs> Of Godzilla versus Guy Gan.
2: You could have done it. あぁ何言ってぼくらのこじら行くぞどこでも仲間のためだ Kaiju どこパス